You're tuning in to Neurodiversity, a podcast for neurodivergent adults and the people who love them. Please note that this podcast does not substitute medical or professional diagnosis and advice. All right, so just today, the day of me recording this episode, I went for an eval with a neuropsychiatrist. Um, and I was prepared. I, you know, I had, I had, um, teacher reports, I had, um, test scores, you know, I had, um, other ancillary, like health issue documentation and things like that with me. Um, and just like some other self reports I've done, things like that. Um, and so anyway, I get to this person's office, this doctor's office, and it was weird. Like, he started to talk about, like, my, he just, he opened up with, like, telling me what meds I was on, and, like, he didn't have an intake questionnaire, which I also felt, like, was odd. There was no intake questionnaire for this appointment, and so, like, um, and I'm just, like, how do, how do you know that about me? And he was just, like, he looked in, like, the controlled substance database or whatever, and, it's like okay like I mean whatever it's strange but like it's just like why creep versus just uh like give me intake info I'll give you my med list like it's not an issue <laughs> um but anyway so I think I thought that that was like odd from the start and then like he started just like questioning me about like my ADHD medications and like the ones I've been on and like how I've tried different ones which is very common in ADHD populations and then just like kind of like I don't, it was weird. Like, I felt like he was trying to, like, trap me into something, like, because I was talking about, like, um, how I take, I now take um, Ritalin, and it's, like, it's not an extended release. It's, it's you know, it's just a short window or whatever to kind of help you out, and I really like that. I really prefer it, and, um, but I was saying, like, yeah, like, taking the meds is really helpful for me to kind of, like, stick with task and so what i'm talking about is mental effort um so like just kind of short example of that is like you know i went to fill out an application one morning unmedicated and was quickly like frustrated or whatever by it and just could not i just i hit a wall and i couldn't like kind of you know have that grit to like stick with it and i mean i was doing it for like i don't know like maybe like 20 minutes 30 minutes or something and it was specifically because that's not important the point is like i was having issues like just to get out um but like i was unmedicated but like if i take my meds then like i can sit through things that like may be more difficult for me or like less enjoyable um versus just shutting down um so that's what i was talking about but i don't know he was like saying something about like oh well if it like something like about if it's shorter than like how does it help me do things longer or something like that I don't, it didn't make sense but anyway um so i don't even know why we were talking about that because like i diagnosed i have a professional that's helping me with that whatever that's not what i was here for so anyway like he goes on to like talk about adhd or i'm sorry autism and he's like well what do you know about autism which i just thought was like kind of like a weird question <laughs> but like i don't know people do things their own way so i'm just like well i know a lot about autism <laughs> like i'm an autism clinical specialist i didn't say that part but i'm just like know a lot about autism like what do you like what do you mean like he's like 
well, like not like the symptoms, but like, how do you know about like, like, I guess he was asking me like, how does autism impact me? Like, I feel like that's what he was trying to say, but it's just like, that's a very broad question to ask anybody. Like that is just so broad. Like, especially if you truly, I don't know if I want to say that. I'm going to retract the truly part, but especially like if, 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 I do believe if you have a neurodevelopmental condition, it really does impact most areas of your life, or at least at least maybe not all at once, but either over over in different time frames, um, or yeah, like at once. Like it's it's very much ingrained in your life. So when I talk about like having these conditions, it's not like oh I just hate taking tests or like oh I just can't find my keys. Like no, it's literally like making choices for my life, like getting dressed, like just so much like planning when do I socialize how much work do I do well I need also need like time alone like I can't be around people all the time like I'm just like really trying to like figure out so many different like working parts of my life um that it's exhausting and like also just like doing things I want to do because I have lots of interests and things that like I really want to do and like if I don't have time to do them then it's just like very dysregulating um uh, so like yeah so like it's just like that's a lot like and especially that it's something that I can like talk about over the course of my lifespan to just say like how does it impact you which isn't actually what he said but I think what he meant like then like where do I start like this is a very overwhelming like talk about anxiety <laughs> like that's very overwhelming and especially with a stranger that you don't know and you're like that's and that's things that have impacted me like very personally um as well so it was just frustrating. So I'm just like, okay, but I kind of expected this. Um, I, I had some expectancy of this just from listening to other people's stories, especially women, adult females, and just some of my own experience that, that I've already told you about. And so I had a list and like my list is it's spreadsheet. And so like I divided it up in DSM criteria. Um, so social communication and then also restrictive repetitive behaviors and interests. Those are the two criteria for um or like the two sections of criteria for autism that's it all right and so like that's oversimplified but those are the two sections and so like i have this and i have all the different ways in each of those sections that i've had difficulties and i have it listed across my lifespan i also have sensory issues that are listed across my lifespan um, that are noted on there I have physiological issues that are commonalities that we often see in the autism community around like gut issues and other things like that. Um, Self-interest behavior, like onset of puberty, like things like that. Um, and just like other commonalities and like difficulties that I'm having within like the neurodivergent community or like within the category of neurodevelopmental disorders or conditions, right? Um, and so I have all this. And so like, I'm starting to like, since I'm the one I guess having to like direct the interview, like I'm starting to like read off and then he'd like interject or whatever. And so like, this is the second thing on my list. I've been in this office for like five minutes maybe. And the second thing was that I have difficulty controlling the sound of my voice or like the, the pitch, sometimes pitch, but like also like the volume, the volume, that's what I'm trying to say. So like, um, especially like if I'm nervous, um, especially like if I'm tired, um, but also just kind of like in other situations, I don't really know for, I don't really understand exactly what impacts it. Um, it definitely comes up more in like group settings, um, but just constantly being loud enough for people to like hear me or make out what I'm saying. 
um, is difficult. And sometimes I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell if people heard me sometimes or in like they're just busy or like they're ignoring me um, or if they just didn't hear me and like that in and of itself kind of causes me anxiety. <laughs> um, but that's, again, another issue or a, a deep dive for another time. Um, so I said this and then he asked me, he said, well, does this bother you? Like, are you worried that, about what other people think about it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's just like, then I can tell you right now, you're not autistic. <laughs> and I was just like, first of all, we didn't look at any of the other, um, <laughs> like any of the other criteria, but also like that alone isn't like definitive or indicative of like not being autistic. And so I wanted to say this real quick. It's just like, if you don't take anything else away from this, let's remember that when it comes to autism, there is no specific test. There's no specific test. There's no specific brain scan. There's no specific anything that we can say, oh, you are definitely autistic or you're definitely not. When we do have this research, what we do have our like diagnostic criteria based on the DSM guidelines. And it's really based on clinical judgment to put those things together, to fall in those different categories um, and, and, and to, to assess for autism, right? So it is very opinionated. So it really, really depends on what biases your provider holds. Um, so like, yeah. So anyway, I was going to tell you right now, and I'm just like, 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 what do you mean? Like there's research that talks about like, um, anxiety and like self-awareness and like how people like, um, you know, within these populations, like there's a correlation and I, I have to find this research. I couldn't find it today. I don't know where I, sometimes I read stuff and then I don't track it well, but I'm getting better with that. Um, but like a show like, yeah, like how people with more self-awareness of how they're struggling in those behaviors, like have higher rates of anxiety and depression because of that insight within this community, right? Um, and so I'm just like, I'm like, okay, well, are you even like aware of like female presentation, things like that? So like he claims like he is kind of thing, but like later kind of retracts that, right? Anyway, so like that was just kind of weird to me, just that alone. But like then like I just started reading lists and like, I'm like anxious at this point because like now I just kind of feel like you've already dismissed me. So like, why are we even here? Like, why are we still talking? Um, you know, I'm like, what kind of just like, what's the point? Like, I just feel like at this point I'm talking to a wall, which I was, and just like things going in one ear off the other. So I would like read the symptomology and like, basically then he would like stop me and be like, oh, well, like, yeah, like those are symptoms, but like, they might not necessarily like be because autism and like, well, maybe they're not, but like, you're the professional who should be asking me the questions to tease that out. You know, you're the person who says, okay, well, I can see this in this area, but like maybe it's a pragmatic language issue, <laughs> you know, versus like ASD or something like that. But you should be doing that work to like have the questionnaires and know what questions to ask. Like he had no clinical instruments other than like, a very, I, forget, I don't remember what the name of it. I wasn't paying attention. I was too, too irritated at that time. But like he had me do a very brief like screening tool for autism, which a lot of the questions I scored like very high on, like and, and, that, and that liker scale style from like, um, you know, like sometimes to like always sort of thing, thing. And so like a lot of my things were like often, most of the time, you know, like always, whatever on, on his anyway. I also showed him like um, a self-report scale that I really like um, that's geared towards autistic adults. And it's very thorough and like breaks things down in domains. Um, and also the research on it, um, while it is like 
preliminary, it's, it's, it looks like it can be promising, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, so I do that. And like, first he tells to tell me, like, he's like, he's telling me like, he doesn't like the question that I did. Cause like some of the things have nothing to do with autism or whatever, which I disagree, but like, whatever. Um, but he's like, this isn't clinical. And I'm like, yes, it is. Like, I can show you like the research on it. Then he's like, oh, well, like just, then he's kind of like back to circling around. Well, just because like, it's that, like just like a, an assessment tool basically is what he was saying was like, isn't indicative that you have autism, which is so true. Assessment tools are not. So when you do these self-reports online and you, you get these things, it doesn't mean that you are autistic. You know, it doesn't mean that you do have ADHD, but it, it means that maybe you likely do. And there's things are to explore and you should explore that with a professional who's well-versed in this uh, topic, right? Um, and so I'm just like, why? Like he would just kind of keep explaining like how tools work or he would give me like general, like a person with autism would do this. And like, at one point, like he like came up to me, like really close, and, like put his head down and like made eye contact with me. Cause he was saying like, eye contact might be something that's difficult, but not always or whatever. And eye contact is something I personally have struggled with throughout my life. But, um, he like, came up to me, he's in a chair, I'm in a chair, and like he like cocks his head to the side, like makes eye contact with me, just like moves his head around and like like way like not social distancing at all. Like I do not have the six feet that I at least need right now. <laughs> like and it was just like very irritating. I was just so uncomfortable by that. And it's just like he was just like, yeah, like they would do something like that because they don't understand social cues. And I'm just like I'm not six, like, I, I'm i 30, I'm meant to be 31, like, dude, like, and also, that's not true of all of them, so, you know, there are, um, there's definitely social deficits, um, often established in ASD, um, however, like, there's this, this concept of being, like, socially adaptable, and, like, how we can compensate, um, for issues around, like, theory of mind, which is something else he was harping about, um, so just very briefly, like, theory of mind, um, or Tom, it's, like, the ability to, like, understand that someone else might have, like, different motives, um, you know, like, they may think something differently than you, you might not understand their intentions, um, or just, like, what their mental state is, like, the way that they are perceiving things, right, um, you might not be able to read that very effectively, um, and so there is there is clinical or you know research debate around Tom and then if itself and if it's even really measuring theory of mind, if it's measuring you know um, emotional responses. There's different. There's implicit Tom. There's explicit Tom. Like there's just it's very it's, it's very deep. It's not like a just like a just looks like this thing, right? Um, but there is a lot of evidence that does support theory of mind and like the struggles in theory of mind within um, autistic populations. However, like the typical theory of mind test like has a ceiling of like, yeah, being about age six, like the developmental about age six. So it's really not appropriate even for like adults, right? Um, so they are developing other types of theory of mind. Um, but then there's just like this research out there too that just like talks about like, yeah, like how, you know, there's masking. So if like masking, um, you know, is the suppression of um, maybe like your repetitive behaviors, um, you know, like stimming, um, or, you know, it might be like avoiding uh, social events that you might find stressful or, or draining. Um, but there's also like this idea of compensation, which goes a step further where you have alternate cognitive strategies um, to to have good social skills um, or to maybe 
um, have those theory of mind deficits like not impact you as much. And this research I will definitely put in the show notes. Um, and this particular study, um, it's called Good Social Skills Despite Poor Theory of Mind, um, Exploring Compensation and Autism Spectrum Disorder. And what I like about it, while I haven't read the entire methodology yet, I've mostly just read like um, the abstract and the, the lit review, um, which is a review of like um, literature that's already existing around the topic or like related to the topic. Um, what I what I do like about it so far is like it, it has a really good sample size. Um, so in their sample size, they surveyed a total of 136 autistic adolescents, um, and that's that's a lot of people for um, a clinical study. It's not common for you to um, see that so much. Um, but in short, like what this like study found was that. Um, there was like a positive correlation for this this uh, term of compensation with individuals with uh, with ASD who had higher IQs um, were able to like have a higher ability to like executive function so it's just like greater executive functioning skills and often higher anxiety they were all correlated and like what i thought was really interesting was like in this interview he would just come like you he was just tell me things like oh yeah you've put so much thought into this you put so much thought into this you spent so much time on this this is like so thorough he's like you know you can have a lot of anxiety like the anxiety is like it's glaring it's glaring and it's just like okay so that is something that we should be scanning for like if you see high anxiety in a person um you know, as, as a clinician, you really want to like see what the origin of that anxiety is. And when it comes around to social deficits and social skills and things like that, like that might be a very, that might be a cue of like, you know, neurodivergence. And you see someone who's very meticulous, you know, and like putting a lot of time into this, like, I, I don't know if everyone would put as much time into designing, uh, just kind of like the prep that I did. Um, and like, you know, this has become like very much a restricted interest of mine. Um, just neurodivergence. I'm leaning more towards autism. Um, but like, I don't know, it's, what time is it right now? It's like, it's like 12 in the morning. It's, oh, it's actually 102. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. <laughs> um, you know, this is often what I'm doing. It's like reading up on these sorts of things. And so I just thought it was really interesting that like, there was no awareness of like, even the things that he was acknowledging could be a part of an autistic profile. Um, and so, um, I just thought that was really interesting, but, um, something that was also really common is like, um, while these people can, um, autistic people who are able to do this compensation and like, you know, air quote appear normal, um, what they are finding is that these individuals self-report exhaustion. And that was like a common theme, right? And so like last year, like I really couldn't work. I just had a, a lot of difficulty with working. Um, and I'm not gonna get into the gist of that totally yet because I'm not totally sure how much of my personal life in detail I wanna share right now. I'm still kind of working that out. Um, but anyway, the point is that like I had this like major uh, just kind of halt in my life and just major decrease in functioning. And like, he didn't even ask any sort of clarifying questions of that. He's like, oh, okay. Like, like no clarifying questions. He had, he had, he had no structured interview to give me. Um, and again, like there's not one test, but as a clinician, one would think that you would have standardized measures to use, um, that you would be asking for information from either relatives or teachers, or, you know, you might be looking at test scores, you know, you want to, um, 
yeah, like you want to do those things and then like take this information and review it and like really start to come up. You know, I thought like he would do testing, but I guess he doesn't do that either, which was interesting. I'm actually just kind of curious of what he even does for autistic adults because there's no medication for autism, but, but that's like a whole nother thing. Um, so anyway, like the point is that like theory of mind really needs to be measured by scales. Um, and so, you know, they're like to measure someone's theory of mind with the research and the article that I'm going to reach in the show notes, you know, they were saying like how they could find people who have these higher IQs, you know, I don't know how I want to word this. I guess like a better time or like a or a greater ability to executively function um, and who had high anxiety, um, what they found was that, yes, you know, they could um, verbally, you know, uh, compensate, but like nonverbal um, interpretations, there was still... Um, there was there was still impairments in that um and i don't know i won't get into all that because i don't know if that's really what y'all are here for <laughs> but if you want to know more about it and talk to me i would love i would love to have a team i really would to really just um go through research a bit more um to have like minds to talk about them to think of ideas like that also so wonderful to me um but anyway again digression so um I guess the last part just kind of like with the doctor or whatever. So, you know, at one point he says to me, like, I need you to prove. I'm waiting, I'm looking for you to prove to me that you have autism. And I'm just like, that's not how diagnostic interviews work, bro. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not here to like prove to you that. Like, I'm here to like share my experience. And hopefully you should have like a system to like extract that information. Um, you know, and then like at one point he's like, yeah, like you have all this, but like, what does the data say? What does the data say? Or like, whatever, like, you know, like the criteria. And I'm just like, dude, like I have all the criteria listed out and multiple difficulties in the DSM criteria alone, along with commonalities. And he's like, well, yeah, like I, you know, like a lot of autistic kids do have, you know, a lot of gut issues, but not all of them. I was just like, that's true. But like, what is it like? like but I do, like, I do have gut issues. And I also have an endorse symptomology in the domains of the DSM criteria and in common domains within the autistic community. And it's just like, you refuse to look up the big picture. Um, so it was just a really interesting. And he would just kind of come back and be like, you did really well in school. Like, you have a graduate degree. Like, yeah, like, so like, it was just pretty much, I was just too smart. And apparently, because I was self conscious, I, there's no way I could be autistic. And um, it was funny because my sister was in there and she pointed out to me like in the end that um, he was saying in the end, like, you know, autistic adults who, um, you know, have more independent living skills or, you know, professional careers or whatever, that they only um, want to work in like isolated you know, areas and like, you know, in research or they're in the back and they would never get into therapy because they wouldn't want to talk to people all day or whatever. And one, I don't think that's true in and of itself, as I know, autistic therapists. Um, and also like I've read reports around like how um, women with autism typically often do gravitate towards fields like uh, therapy and things like that. 
Um, but he was just like, there's no way that you would ever want to even study like people and like, and, and like how people work or whatever. Cause I told him, he asked me why I got into the field or whatever. Um, and my reasoning is because like, I've always been fascinated by like human behavior and I've always been trying to figure out why people act the way they do. I don't get it. <laughs> like, I've, like, I've been doing that all the time. I've also like my entire life have been like looking into whether it's like, um, you know, astrology, even when I was young, I was really into astrology quite a bit. I am again now on a deeper level. Um, and also like uh, personality tests, things like that. And all these things, again, like they definitely have their, um, I guess their cons or whatever. But like the point is there's a trend in me really trying to like figure out behavior and my behavior and like the behavior of other people and like how they're different and like how that works and that kind of thing. Like I can I have a history of that, but he's saying like you would never would like you would never you would never want to do that as an autistic person, and like I just don't understand why like are, are artistic people not capable of curiosity? As I don't know that to be the case, um, like I don't know that to be the case, um, and uh, like he told me before too, like um, he had he had an autistic female patient and like she said something inappropriate about like going to dinner and like. But like now she doesn't say those things or whatever because like she's got bad responses and I've like been saying things like that and I've pointed that out to him. He was just like, yeah, but you learn from your experiences. It's like if you're autistic, you can't learn from them. I was just like, what? Like autistic people can't learn now? Like that's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. And like I've all like also like if that was the case, we would have never had ABA. Like we would just never had ABA. Like uh, um, as applied behavior analysis, which is like. A controversial way of dealing with um, autism and like the behavioral side of some things, um, and I'm not going to get into that right now or the controversy. Um, I was telling him about like yeah, like when I was a kid, I didn't have a whole lot of meltdowns until puberty. Like I couldn't really control them. I couldn't control them anymore in puberty. But like as a child, it didn't. Um, but I lived in a very like authoritative or um, authoritarian, I should say, very authoritarian household that was abusive. Like it was physically abusive and abusive in like other ways. And like, that wasn't an option for me to just melt down um, because I didn't like my food touching or like whatever, like, and he was like, no, if you were autistic, like, you you wouldn't be able to like control that. And that's just, that's just not true. Like, it's just not true. And like, I think there's plenty, again, plenty of evidence around like the harm of ABA and like why that's true. Cause like it does, yeah, it stops behavior, but um, because of these negative external consequences, but it doesn't change like the internal difficulty. Um, and so like, if autistic people weren't able to learn from like the consequences that they face, um, like ABA would never work. It just wouldn't, <laughs> like um, it just, you know, it wouldn't work. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, I'm going to wrap this up, though. But my sister, though, she thought what was funny was that um, he was saying, like, how autistic people, you know, wouldn't want to work with other people or whatever, and they're always in the back. And he was like, yeah, they would. They. She, my sister was like, yeah, she's like, that's exactly what you're trying to do. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even really pick up on that because that's been something that's been hard for me. And one of the reasons I had such a struggle last year, um, like, I'm transitioning out of individual therapy. It's not something that I can sustain at a rate that would give me, you know, a living wage to support myself. You know, like if I was just like, you know, chilling, not worried about money and I could see a couple clients here or there, sure, like I would do that. That's cool. But like in order to like keep a full caseload, like I, I can't cope with that. I don't have enough energy for myself afterwards. I don't have enough energy to participate in like relationships in my own life. And like, I can't, 
you know, self-sacrifice having a good quality of life in order to help other people. Um, I'm not doing it right if I'm doing it that way. And so I've done a lot of thinking about really transitioning um, out of individual therapy and talking to people as much because it just really is, it's very exhausting. Um, while it can also be rewarding, it's still exhausting. And so I'm looking at transitioning my practice um, into um, a focus on neurodivergence um, or just, you know, evals in general, but with an emphasis on neurodivergence um, and really having that as a part of the differential diagnoses. And um, yeah, and I'm also just looking into like doing more like group work or like workshop type things where it's not like an individual thing. Um, I feel like that's just going to be more my speed and uh, yeah, just just helpful for my mental health and ways to help other people. Um, Because I certainly won't tell you if you're self-aware that there's no way you can't be autistic because there's just, there's just tons of research that says otherwise. Um, But yeah, that's that. And I think like all in all, like while I was a little bit briefly upset by the experience, I'm really happy that it happened. And and these other experiences, because what I've learned a lot is what not to fucking do. I learned a lot of what not to fucking do by being uh, on the patient side of things. Um, and I've also just learned like, I don't have to be so hard on myself. Cause like while I'm rolling out the, the diagnostic process that I want to do, like I'm very much about being thorough, being using ethical tools or, um, tools that, uh, efficacy, um, that's the word I was trying to use to say. Um, so just tools that are proven to work, um, peer reviewed and, um, yeah, like I, I really want to lay down something that is, helpful and not have to ask and ways to like rule out other conditions and things like that. What I'm learning is just like, especially men and also just like other clinicians, like they're not doing that. Like they're not even doing half of that. Like they're clearly not up to date on research. Like they don't have like clear cut diagnostic um, development and how they're going to tease these things out. Um, A lot of them are just kind of like going on their what they might have learned however many years ago and like their fucking intuition, like, and just kind of their opinion. And uh, that's not enough and we got to do better. So I'm going to do better. And I feel like this is just a sign for me to go ahead and move forward in what I'm doing. So stay tuned. Um, I will be opening up diagnostic services for neurodevelopmental evals. And I am excited to talk more about that. Okay, I had to jump on postscript just to mention a few things. Hopefully I keep them straight and I remember them, um, but about this doctor. So <laughs> the last one that I just recently saw, I don't know, I'm just gonna call him Dr. Quack. <laughs> but like, so like Dr. Quack, something else they said to me was just talking about like, cause I told you like, he'll give me like these random like generalizations of how people autism would behave um, as if it's not like a didactic. I uh, yeah, anyway, um, but like, yeah, so he would give me like these random, like, yeah, stereotypical examples, and so he talks about, yeah, or like, you know, like how Sheldon, Sheldon, like, on the Big Bang Theory, now he needs, like, to compute relationships or whatever, and like, first of all, like, <laughs> I just feel like that was not a great example, like, like, Sheldon is definitely, like, a stereotype he's a trope like he is a trope of like the autism community and like there's just so much research and evidence that autism is way broader than fucking fictional sheldon um and especially like after like criticizing like actual like clinical like 
review and like actual diagnostic symptoms like you're telling me I don't act like Sheldon so I don't have the autism like where did you get your degree from sir (laughs) like like, what are you saying to me um so like I just thought that that was crazy I think what's also funny is like I often tell people that like I think that humans should have conditional logic (laughs) like like so conditional logic if you're you know into any sort of coding it's like you know if then like if this happens then this happens you know if this is inputted then like produce this result and like relationships would be so much more easy if we just acted like that because there's way too many fucking variables and then you think you choose the right one and then you still don't get the right outcome and it is very distressing um so i thought it was funny because like one that just wasn't a very professional like analogy to make um but two like i also do resonate with sheldon in ways i'm just like aware of like yeah i have awareness and that's something that autistic people can have um so yeah i don't act like sheldon um but maybe i might experience some of the same internal frustrations as he does um but once again i don't even know if the actor who plays sheldon is even autistic <laughs> like it was just it was just wild to me i feel like if anything like if someone was going to tell me like about a fictional like character um which i guess he's not actually fictional but like if he would have been like yeah like larry david like i would have broke with that i would have been like i get it because like pfft, I'd be watching Larry and I'd be empathizing way too much. Like I'd be in his shoes. I'd just be like, yeah, yeah. Me and Larry, like we got, we got telepathy or something. Cause like <laughs> I'll watch an episode and then I'll be like, this is what I would do. Or like, you know, or this is how I would handle it. And then like Larry and Swift doing the same thing. And it's just, it's just so funny to me. I'll be feeling Larry. I don't agree how he always handles stuff, but I get where he'd be coming from. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then like, lastly, like the thing that he said to me too was like, um when he was talking about like how you know autistic professionals will only be like in the background and like in work that isn't engaging with other people um well i think that that might be common i don't it's not like a fact of like all autistic people act like that or have that like i mean there are autistic actresses actors models like you name it singers um so like that's just like not a fact um but like um what I did point out though is that there are autistic lawyers, like they exist. And then he said to me, he was like, he was like, oh yeah, but no, but like lawyers, like they have a very streamlined process. Like they they don't they don't deviate, they don't have flexibility, they're just streamlined. And I was just like at that point, I was just like, he is full of shit. <laughs> That's when I knew he was full of shit and I had to go. I mean, I think I knew I should go earlier, or at least I knew not to take it seriously, but like then I was just like, okay, you're just really grasping for straws. And like, while I have like some issues with social communication and like repetitive behaviors, I'm not dumb. <laughs> like, I'm not stupid. And like, you are just telling me so much stupidity right now. But anyway, um, that's that. I'm going to let that go and not harp on it anymore. At least I think. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. That's the end of my postscript. Toodles. Okay, so that's my spill on just my experience so far. Um, And that's just like neurodivergent, like diagnoses experience. Um, I've had some difficulty with finding a therapist that understands. Um, I probably won't make a whole episode on that, but I guess just briefly, um, I met a therapist. And on the intake, I already kind of knew it wasn't great. Um, I wasn't like... uh, really talking about autism much at that time I was really I mean like I was it was on my radar but even just with ADHD I was trying to like kind of vet her 
And I was just like, oh, like, you know, like, what do you know about ADHD? Because she has it like on her bio or whatever kind of thing. And what she said to me was that she was just like, well, with ADHD, it's all about the skills. It's all about the skills. And like, you know, it's not rocket science. You just have to do the skills. <laughs> like that in of itself tells me that she doesn't know much about ADHD because um, that's just so common in the ADHD community. Like we're going to drop the skills, like with systems and things like that. Like we are consistently inconsistent um, and we, we can't always maintain um, whatever skill sets that we've learned. So we have to be really creative and have multiple um, skill sets, like backup skill sets, you know, like having some sort of like uh, coping skills or whatever it is specifically that we're looking at, like menu to kind of choose from. So that was kind of like red flaggy. Well, as I kept talking to her, like it just, it just got worse. It got worse and worse. And uh, it was very much like she thought we were friends and like we were like at brunch to chit chat and not uh, she was a therapeutic professional. Um, that one should be like uh, non-biased um, and non-judgmental, um, but also should like acknowledge honestly their scope of practice. Um, and it was just very clear, like talking to her that she did not have any sort of expertise uh, and autism, uh, or ADHD, I mean, um, while she may have like brushed over it in school or took a CEU, <laughs> clearly, uh, that was not her cup of tea. Um, but that was like a very interesting, uh, experience that doesn't deserve a whole lot of commentary. Um, uh, other than that, like I've had good, like, pretty good therapeutic experiences. I think what's really been hard is just like the intersectionality of it. Um, cause I had a really, uh, cool therapist briefly and she herself was autistic. Um, but, uh, she was a white woman and, um, you know, when it comes to really just like talking about things that I've experienced and the difficulties and the, uh, complexities, like it has a lot to do too, which is like. Uh, my racial identity. And so, you know, kind of going back to that idea of intersectionality and having identities, like I don't believe in a hierarchy of identities. Like I am my identities like at all times. Um, especially because I don't really have transient roles, I guess. I don't know. Never mind. I'm not going to even get into that. But um, yeah, like I, you know, I'm, I'm not black first and then queer or like queer first and then neurodiverge. Like I'm all these things all the time um, and they intersect. So uh yeah anyway um and then yeah i never really talked about either just kind of like more on the medical side i actually haven't had like a very terrible like medical experience i guess i talked to you a little bit about uh the auditory and the ophthalmology but outside of that like i've actually had like pretty awesome practitioners for the most part um my allergist is wonderful love her um, so yeah, I'm not going to keep complaining, <laughs> but I just really wanted to like highlight, um, just highlight, uh, why self-diagnoses I feel like, um, often may be someone's only choice. Um, actually kind of going back to, uh, that doctor that I saw most recently, um, for the, the neuro eval, what I thought was really funny was like, uh, funny in hindsight was basically like he kind of asked me like he said something from the lines of like I can find out like and determine whether or not I'm autistic like online <laughs> like he didn't really know I like had to come see him to talk about it and I just like felt like that was really interesting to like say that that I could just kind of like self-diagnose online but then like talk about how you don't like the um 
the self-reports or how they're like not indicative and then like also just like not have like any sort of structured interview process for this and just kind of jumping around and interrupting me and like um ask me one question and I'd start to answer and like ask me another question and, like it's different and I'm just like what do you want from me right now um very very frustrating uh thing but again it's I think it's what I needed it's what I needed to just really be like all right I got this like I am I am sound and I have research and training and data to back up um the process that I would like to use um so yeah keep me on your radar if you haven't you can go to my website therapywithjassine.com and you can sign up for my email list I won't be sending you any emails right now because I'm not really messing with the email list but if you sign up when I do send them out, you will get them. Um, and also just stay tuned in the podcast. Uh, stay tuned on the IG page, NDT on IG. Um, I've been really slow to start to post things on there for similar reasons. I told you about self-diagnosis and just kind of things being trendy and maybe like oversimplified uh, or outside of context. Um, so I've been really just kind of sitting with and shuffling through how I want to show up in that space um, in a way that I feel um, maintains um, my clinical integrity and clinical judgment. Um, so yeah, if you're out there, you're self-diagnosing, if you're out there and you're having a hard time finding providers um, that are um, competent in, in current findings and um, also, just someone who's going to really take a, a big, um, not, not big, but like a broad approach as far as like biopsychosocial, um, really seeing like how is this affecting you yeah, biologically, psychologically, also socially, um, really just looking at, you know, other domains such as like proprioception and interoception and things like that, that we find a lot of difficulty um, or we had issues with in autism. Um, yeah, if someone's not looking at those things, I think outside or in conjunction with, I should say, uh, the DSM criteria. Um, yeah, that's that sucks. It sucks, um, and it is a disservice to people in the autism community. Um, so I just want to say I'm here with you. Uh, I'm doing my best to get things out to serve you, especially if you are in Ohio, and hopefully soon in the near future, I'll also be practicing in California. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. This is long. I appreciate you listening. Like, share, subscribe, rate, and do all the things. You know what? I need 20 more listeners to start to run ads, help your girl out, make some money. Because as you know, people in the ND community um, especially those of us who are, autis are autistic, uh, have higher rates of unemployment and underemployment. That's also true of ADHD. I think the numbers are a little bit different, but depends on where you look. Anyway, nonetheless, yes, share, please, play, have other people play so I can get this ad money if you hear me. You feel me? Okay, goodbye. I need to go to bed. <laughs>